Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, before I get going, I want to tell you about something that's really cool happening next week, and that is we're going to kick off a brand new series uh, called How to Pray, which if you've ever tried to pray before, maybe you've experienced that sometimes it can be awkward, maybe you aren't sure if we're doing it right, or, or even if it works at all, and uh, you wonder, well, what do I do with that? Well, we're going to talk about what do we do with that, and uh, we're going to learn not only just how to pray, but pray in a way that we see that it does work, and it does uh, move God, and we think it's going to be an incredible series, not just for you, but for our entire church as we go through this. So here's what I'm asking of you. Uh, commit to being here as we go through how to pray, but don't be here alone. Uh, this is a great time to invite someone to join you, especially if you know someone who's had questions about prayer and like, hey, how does prayer actually work? Uh, which is probably any person that you've ever met, you know? And so you can go ahead and invite them and uh, join us as we kick that off next week. Now, to set up where we're going to go today, I need to take us back to when I was in high school, which, brace yourself, it was a while ago. It was about over 20 years ago. I uh, went to high school in a rural northwest Illinois uh, town called Pearl City, Illinois. You're wondering, well, how rural is it? Here's how rural it is. Uh, my hometown was 800 people, which, I mean, you could fit my entire hometown, like, in this room, you know? And so uh, 800 people and all the small towns in northwest Illinois were surrounded by cornfields, and they were about a 15-minute drive for, from each other. So that's kind of the, uh, what, what I grew up in. This is back in the early 2000s. And so every teenager and every adult, to, so they had to have a car to get around. And so I saved up and I got a car. It was a real beauty. My first car was a 1993 Chevy Blue Lumina. I know, a real looker right there, right? Now, now this wasn't exactly it. This is one that, that, that looks just like it. But it, I mean, it allowed me to get places, allowed me to get from one small town to another, which one night when I was 17 years old, I had to do, I was working at McDonald's in one town, which there's a lot of stories that I can say for another day, you know, from working at McDonald's. But, you know, I was working for McDonald's. I closed that night and I drove back uh, to uh, my town. And so I'm in my blue Lumina. And all of a sudden, you know, I got the corn all around me and I'm looking around. It's a nice night. And then my, my dashboard lights just start going off. And then my clock goes off. And then all of a sudden, my car just starts stopping. And I have to coast my Lumina to the side of the road right next to the corn because it, it won't work anymore. I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to turn, you know, the, 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 the key again, try to get it starting again. It, it, it's not working. I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, my, my car is just dead here on the side of the road. And so I only had one option, and that was to pull out the old Nokia phone, that, you know, that everyone had back then that they played Snake on. I pulled that out. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I, I, I need some help. And uh, he came out. He drove out in the middle of the night. He found me, and he tried turning the key. He's like, yeah, this isn't working. So he had to take me home. We had to call a tow truck uh, the next day to come pick up my, my lovely Lumina. And uh, they, they came, and they found it, took it to the car shop, and uh, the car uh, repairman said, yeah, your alternator uh, is bad. You know, and, that, and that's what happened uh, for, for there. And, and you just have that picture of a car on the side of the road, has all the fuel it needs, has the right engine, you know, the tires are fine, um, everything's fine. It had the power to get me home, even further than home. I could have drove to, to rural Iowa if I wanted to, 
but it couldn't access the power. Uh, and that's the picture I want us to keep in mind as we are wrapping up uh, the series that we've been in over the last several weeks called uh, The Great Disconnect. And this has been such a helpful series for so many of us as we've been going through this. And here's what we've been doing through The Great Disconnect. We've been looking at this disconnect or this gap that many of us have been experiencing. And the gap is, hey, the promised benefits of what it means to follow Jesus but then there's a gap to our actual experience. We're like, hey, I thought Jesus, following Jesus was going to be so great, but it, I, I, I'm not getting the benefits that I thought I was going to get. And what we've been seeing is that one of the main reasons why we have this gap or this disconnect is that for many of us, we were taught how to become followers of Jesus. And by becoming a follower of Jesus, maybe it was trusting Jesus to forgive you of your sins and, and, and to ask him to, to, you know, get you into heaven after you die. And, and that's been all of what following Jesus is for you. And, and, and that's a great start. That's true. That's helpful. But it's just that. It's a start. We haven't been taught how to be a follower of Jesus. And what we see is that the focus of being a follower of Jesus was exactly what the first followers of Jesus really focused on, was being a follower of Jesus. In fact, for them, it all came down to this phrase of, hey, we're going to be followers of him. And that's their emphasis. For them, it wasn't so much about getting to heaven after they pass away. For them, following Jesus was to follow him and to bring something so much better to the earth around them. For them, it was about making the same impact on the world around them that Jesus made. And so as we've been going through the series, what we've been discovering is, well, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus as they understood it to be a follower of Jesus? And if you're new with us, we are so glad that you are here. If you missed any of the previous weeks, we're also glad you're here. We have a way for you to catch up. Just go to our YouTube channel and you can find the playlist for this series. You can catch up there or you can find us on podcasts and listen to any podcasts um, as you please, as you catch up. But we hope uh, that you do. Now, to wrap it up today to learn how to be a follower of Jesus, I need to take us back to the cornfields of Illinois because we have that car on the side of the road and we aren't sure what to do with it. And for many of us, that's the picture of, for us, for what it's like to follow Jesus. We've been trying to do the things that we've been talking about. We've been using our willpower. We've been trying to get there. But for whatever reason, we feel stuck on the side of the road and we're experiencing that disconnect for following Jesus. And we aren't sure, well, what do we do about that? But like my car that was unable to access the power to get further along, we have a power that we can access to actually help us close the disconnect and, and, and close that gap uh, for good. And Jesus actually talked about that power and how we can access it uh, the final night uh, before he was actually arrested and killed. And Jesus knew he was going to be arrested and killed that night, that he was going to pay for our sin. Uh, and he had this final meal with his closest followers where, where he's giving them that, that final coaching huddle. You know, if you can imagine like a coach, you know, at the two-minute warning saying, okay, here's what we're going to do to win the game. This is what Jesus is doing with, with his followers this night. In fact, he's reminding them of all the things that we've talked about throughout the series. He's reminding them of his invitation to follow him. He's reminding them about, hey, I'm inviting you into a new kingdom where you won't make yourself your king, but you'll make me your king. And you're going to follow me and you're going to deny yourself. And it's going to cost you something, but you're going to find out that it's going to be so much better in the long run. And it's worth it. 
And he's going to remind them, hey, you guys are here together, and he wants them to be unified, and he wants them to come together to help the lost be found. That, that, that's what he, he's there is to help people um, experience the kingdom of God. So he's reminding them of everything we've talked about throughout this series. And then he wraps it up with this one final point that is so brilliant. Jesus is such a great teacher. He, he tells them this with this word picture. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's giving them this word picture to, to understand their relationship with him. And he tells them, if you remain in me, and, and this is where Jesus is so brilliant because he's coming full circle here. This idea of remain is another word for follow. And so he's coming back to his first point. If you follow me, and if you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you've ever met another follower of Jesus before, maybe they're a little older than you, and you've watched their life, and you're like, whoa, look at what they've done. And maybe you've seen how they've served so many people in need or they've helped many people follow Jesus and it just blew you away. You were like, there is no way I could be, you know, anything like them. I mean, how could they do what they've done? Well, according to Jesus, it wasn't about them because apart from him, they could do nothing. The impact that they've made is a result of their choosing to follow Jesus. And so Jesus is reminding us, he's like, hey, here's how you know you can access God's power. Here's how you know you've closed the great disconnect. You look at the fruit that you've produced. You see the impact that God is doing in you and through you. Just like when you look at an apple tree, you know it's an apple tree because of the apples and you know it's a pear tree because of the pears. You know that you have closed the great disconnect and you have accessed God's power in you through the impact that God is doing in you and through you. That's your fruit. Now, fast forward a couple years after this, uh, one of the first church leaders, a guy named Paul, who helped many people follow Jesus, and he started and led many churches, he wanted to expand on Jesus' teaching here. And so what he did is he actually wrote a letter to a church living in the city of Galatia. And in this letter, Paul begins to unpack, well, what does this mean for us? And he does this by highlighting two ways that you and I can approach life. And Paul would say, I've lived both of these ways. I've experienced the outcomes of both of these ways. And so I'm going to tell you, make it very clear, one way is better and more impactful than the other way. But we can relate to these ways. And so here's how Paul begins to outline our two options. He says, so I want to encourage you to walk by the Spirit. And this is another word picture Paul's giving for follow, this idea of walking with. And he says, by the Spirit. And there's so much we could say about this phrase, but I'll just start with this. This is literally God's Spirit in you. That when you become a follower of Jesus and you trust him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. God just doesn't have his spirit by you. God puts his spirit in you. More on that in a moment. And then he says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And if you're new to the New Testament... This idea of flesh might feel a little odd for you. In fact, other translations uh, translate this word to the sinful nature. And, and, and what that means is our inclination, and we've talked about this in, in part three of this series, it's our inclination to give into self-fulfillment, to give into our selfish desires, to live for self-gratification. It's all about me. And all of us 
we have the flesh. I mean, the, and the flesh just keeps uh, coming up. In fact, a couple weeks ago, it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It was like one of those last nice Saturdays in Wisconsin, and you just knew it. And so I, I wanted to have a good time and hang out with my family, relax and make some memories, and, and, and just enjoy and just take in the globe before we know what's coming in the next six months. And so um, I, I just want to take it in. And, and I knew full well what my wife wanted to do that day. She knew that there was an event that was going to help serve kids in need, and it was open to help, you know, for other kids to come and serve. And so she wanted to take our family to go to this event to serve these kids in need. And, and, and I got to be honest, I didn't want to go. And so I'm starting to come up with all of these excuses to my wife. I'm like, hey, the weather's so good. It's so nice. We could go hang out and do this. In fact, you know, we, we got to make memories with our kids. You know, we got to have some good times. Like, we don't get this often. You know, it's, it's a really beautiful day. And, and she just looked at me. She said, Tyler, hold on, hold on. This will help them make memories. We need to help our kids think bigger than themselves. And obviously, I got to help you think bigger than yourself too. You know, we're talking about serving kids in needs. And you know what? She was right. We went and we went to the event and we had a great time. It was awesome. But that desire to just say, hey, let's just use this day and make it all about me, that's the flesh that's in me. And we all have that flesh. We all have that inclination towards selfishness. And Paul says, we, we all experience, and here's how we experience it. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. He says, they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever it is that you want. And, and we've experienced this. If you've ever driven down a road and someone just really fast just flew by you and then cut you off, well, what is that inside of you that just wants to yell at that person? You know, you want to speed up, maybe lay on the horn, maybe raise a finger at them. I don't know. You know, and you just want to yell in your car like, what are you doing? You know, they're not going to hear you, but, you know, then you're getting that anger feeling kind of coming over you. But then there's that other piece inside of you that says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's calm down. Let's be patient. Maybe they have to get somewhere, you know, quicker. Maybe there's an emergency going on, you know. Let's just be patient and let them go. I mean, that's the conflict that's going on inside of us. And, and this is the first way that we can deal with our flesh. And, and Paul's beginning to outline this. And he says, you know, what we try to do is we feel the flesh and we feel these inclinations come up, we try to use our own willpower and our own strength to just push it down. We say, you know, I, I can just push that down and I'll be fine. But what happens is we realize we can't keep pushing it down. This is like going back to the cornfield in Illinois, going behind the Lumina and saying, here's how I'm going to fix the problem. I'm just going to get behind. I'm just going to push. You know, I'm going to push this to the hometown. I'm going to push this to where I need to go. And we know what's going to happen. We don't have enough strength and stamina to keep pushing it that far. We're eventually going to give in. And eventually when we try to battle the flesh on our own willpower, we're going to give in. Because we don't have enough strength and stamina on our own. And so we'll give in to those indulgences. And Paul outlines where exactly that's going to lead us. And here, here's what he says. He says, well, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Meaning... If you were to give into every self-indulgence and every call into the selfishness that, 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 that is calling out to you, here's where it's going to go. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Now, we might not use that word often in our culture today, but here's what that means. Just complete abandonment of boundaries. I'm going to do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want, regardless of the consequences. And then the consequences come and we don't like the consequences, you know. And uh, it also leads to idolatry and witchcraft, 
hatred, discord, not the online servers where you're having conversations with other people. I mean, this is the deep division discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. I mean, we don't see this on the news at all. Drunkenness. It doesn't mean a drink. You know, that, that, that's not what he's calling out here. He's saying no drunkenness, complete abandonment, losing all control, orgies, and the like. And we read this list and we might be like, whoa, that's intense. You know, some of this we can relate to, others of it maybe not relate to, but, but here's what all of this is. This is a byproduct of selfishness, of just giving in to all, all for self-fulfillment, all for self-gratification. And here's where we know where this and selfishness leads us. It leads us to broken relationships every single time. In fact, I've talked to countless uh, relationships, countless marriages that were on the brink where someone was ready to walk out, someone was ready to just be done, and you just start peeling back the layers, you start seeing what's going on, you find selfishness. In fact, I've never talked to a person who said, you know why I'm thinking about leaving him? He's just so selfless. He's just giving of himself all the time. I mean, he's self-sacrificial. I mean, I got to call it quits because of how selfless he is. I mean, that never happens. But any relational fallout that you find, anytime you see something, you just dig in a little bit, you're going to find selfishness. It's going to lead to these broken relationships. And we know, and Paul knows, hey, this isn't where you want to go. And so that's why he outlines that first way. He says, this is why we can't just depend on our own willpower and our own self-control because we're going to give into the flesh. And so he highlights another way, a better way, the way that we can close the great disconnect and we can experience the benefits of following Jesus. And he defines it through this, walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we say the Holy Spirit, for some of us, we might be like, ooh, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. You know, and maybe you've heard a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but maybe it hasn't been a, a whole lot. Maybe you're familiar with, you know, the, the, the three-in-one Trinity. You know, you've talked about God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, you know, but the Holy Spirit, you're like, I, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. What, what does it mean to walk with the Holy Spirit? And maybe it's something that we, we've ignored, you know, personally for, for, for a while. And what we realize about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy, walking with the Holy Spirit is absolutely, absolutely critical to access God's power to close the great disconnect. In fact, Jesus, he spoke about the Holy Spirit, and there are three big ideas that Jesus gave us about the Holy Spirit. One of the first ideas is to remind us that the Holy Spirit's a person. And we might think about the Holy Spirit almost like we're little mini Luke Skywalkers and there's this mysterious force that we got to figure out. Like, hey, if I get this right, the lightsaber is going to come to me and then I can take on the evil empire. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is actually a person. And we realize we can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, we, we see that Holy Spirit is God in spirit form. And the Holy Spirit has the capacity to love, to experience joy. In our relationship, we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so our relationship with the Holy Spirit is very personal because he's a person. And from that, Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit will guide us. 
Jesus called the Holy Spirit as a counselor, a teacher, one who will guide and direct and inspire us. And, and many of us, we've experienced this in a number of different ways, maybe through promptings, maybe uh, through, through different feelings. Maybe you're in a situation and you just felt something come over you, and that might be the Holy Spirit guiding you. You can experience this in a number of different ways. In fact, uh, one, one way that I experienced this recently, just a few weeks ago, I, I was praying and this is where I often sometimes feel promptings from Holy Spirit, where I'm, I'm praying and this one person just came to my mind over and over again. And I knew this one person, um, a, a friend of mine, going through a very, very hard time, very difficult time. And it was during this time, I, I was just praying for this, uh, praying and praying, and this person kept coming to my mind. I'm like, I got to reach out to this person. So I finished praying. I sent this person a text message, and I just said, hey, how are things going? And within moments, this person just uh, texted back and said, hey, Thanks so much for reaching out. Um, I'm going through a really, really, really dark time right now. I wanted to reach out, but I didn't know how to. I was too embarrassed. But now that you reach out, hey, can we talk? And it set us up for a time where we were talking. We spent some time together. And I was able to encourage this person, share different things with this person, share some insights with this person that was helpful for this person. And during this time, I'm realizing what's going on. This wasn't me. This wasn't anything I was doing. This was guidance through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus teaches us the Holy Spirit will guide us through promptings and, and whisperings and teachings. He'll, te he'll inspire us. And then Jesus also shows us the Holy Spirit will empower us because it's God's power in us as followers of Jesus. In fact, what we read is that it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that is in us through the Holy Spirit. And this is how, if, going back to uh, the cornfield, this is how we access God's power. I mean, we realize, hey, you got the car that, you know, has the power to get us wherever we want to go. And, and when the alternator's working, you just, you just turn the key and it's just working and off you go. And this is more power than like a 93 Lumina. I mean, no, it's so much more power than this. We can access like, it's like the power of a high-octane sports car that we get to access because this is God's power in us that through the Holy Spirit, we can access it and as a result, God will do work in us and through us. This is the fruit that Jesus was talking about, that when we remain in him, he will produce much fruit through us. Well, we might wonder, well, what does that fruit look like? How does that impact look like? Well, Paul gives us a picture of what it looks like, that when you access God's power through the Holy Spirit, here's the work that God wants to do in us. And he describes it as a fruit. Notice, this isn't fruits. This is a singular fruit. This is a complete picture of what God wants to do in you. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And this is a selfless love, a you-before-me type love. Joy, which is bigger than happiness because you can have joy regardless of the circumstance. It's joy, peace, forbearance, which is another word for patience. Kindness, which back then, that word didn't even exist. Back then, it was, you know, might equals right. But for them, for, for them, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. I'm going to use my strength to help those in need. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not, not your self-control that, that, that falls, but God's self-control that, that is so much bigger than our self-control. It's the self-control to beat the desires of the flesh. And what Paul's reminding us is that when we walk with the Spirit, we have access to this power. God empowers us to experience, and he'll produce this fruit inside of us. 
And so Paul's outlining this, and then he wraps this section up for all of us. He says, Here, here's how you access it then. He says, those who belong, or Jesus said remain. He's going back to the idea of follow. Those who belong to Jesus, they've crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. He, he's referring to what we talked about in part three. This is the cost that, that we pay. We realize it's so worth it. And we have the ability then to defeat the flesh. And here's how. Since we live by the spirit that God gives us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He says, we do this by walking with the Spirit. And when you do this, you will close that disconnect. You'll close that gap. And the great disconnect will be no more. And you might hear this and think, okay, that sounds great. How do I do that? And it's a great question and one that we should be asking. And I have good news and bad news uh, to that question. And the bad news first there's not a step-by-step -step instruction that we see throughout Scripture of, well, how do you exactly walk with the Spirit? But the good news is, is we see example after example of how you do it. And so let me just give you an illustration that can be helpful for us for when it comes to walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an incomplete picture, but, but I hope this is helpful for us to think about. Here's how you and I can walk with the Spirit and be guided by the Spirit and access the Spirit's power this way. And here, here's how I want you to imagine it. Imagine I invite you to hang out at my house for dinner one night. And you've never been to my house before. And so you're wondering, well, how do you get to, to my place? Now, there's a couple ways that I can get you to my place. First, I can just send you uh, my address, you know, through a text message, and you can just plug that address into an app, and uh, you can follow that app and, and hope that that app will get you to the right place. You know, you can hope that you can type in the address right. You hope there's no construction, you know, that, that maybe Google or Apple figured that out. Um, hopefully you have enough data, you know, to, to have the right cell phone signal. Like, you're, you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe this will get me to where I need to go, but um, I'm not 100% sure because I've never been there before. Or another way that you could get to my house is we could agree to meet somewhere that we've both been before. Let's, let's say this facility. We meet in the parking lot. I say, Here, here's my car. Here, here's what I want to do. I'll get in my car. You get in yours. You just stay, stay by me. I'll drive slow enough. You can follow me. And so when I turn right, turn right. When I turn left, turn left. And, and you're following me because you know I know where I'm going. You know, I, I know how to get to my place. And so you're following me we get to my place, you know 100% for sure that you are in the right spot because you focused on me, you followed me to get to my place. Okay, so two very different ways to get to my house. The second way is what it, a more a picture, a better picture of what it's like to walk with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's all about the focus. You know, the first way you're just trying to trust a map that you're hoping will plug you and get you in the right direction. That's kind of like following a religion. Hey, I'm hoping to follow the right rules. I'm hoping I believe the right things. I'm hoping that I'll end up there. But I'm not entirely sure because it's not personal. It's not relational. I mean, and we know this with Google. I mean, guys, just imagine if you just Googled like, hey, how do I treat my girlfriend? And you just follow whatever Google says. It might not work out very well for you because it's not personal. It doesn't know her personally. But the second way, it's all about the focus. It's so much more personal. You're just fo following me to get to the house. When we follow the Holy Spirit, we just follow the Holy Spirit and we trust that the Holy Spirit knows where he's going. We take the next step and the next step and the next step and we follow after that. It's this invitation again to this personal relationship to follow God. 
Now you might say, well, hey Tyler, there could be a third way. I could just jump in your car and, and, and jump in the passenger seat and let, let you drive me to your place and then maybe drive me back later. And while that's true, that was my picture of how I understood to follow Jesus for years. I was like, okay, hey, hey Jesus, I'm just going to get in the car. I'm going to give you all control. I won't do anything. I'll sit in the passenger seat and I'll just kind of wave, you know, as we drive by cars and not really pay attention. And that's not what Jesus has invited us to is either because here's what that is. That's a very passive faith. That's a faith where we just, we don't participate. We sit on the sidelines. We say, God, just go ahead and do your thing. And that's not the faith that God invites us to. God invites us to an active faith. God wants us to partner with him where he wants to do something incredible in us and through us where we produce much fruit. And so he wants us to participate with him. God doesn't want to control us. God wants us to choose to actively follow him and partner with him. That's where we can have our, the fruit produced. And so he invites us to just follow him actively and focus on him. And so that's the picture that I want you to keep in mind as we wrap up the series, is that we want to walk with the Spirit by focusing Him and following Him. And so when we look at every step that we've been invited to throughout the series, and we feel the Holy Spirit just guiding us, just take a step, when Jesus invites us just to follow Him relationally, we say, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to trust that it's going to be a personal relationship. And then when, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to make me your king, to give up your kingdom, to, to, to make me your king. We say, I don't know what that means. I know I'm going to give up something, but I'm going to take that step and I'm going to follow. And that's what walking is going to look like. And then when we're led to take another step, to give up something, because it's going to cost us something. We aren't sure what to do. We say, you know what? I like this, but I know I, I, I'm going to give this up. And so I'm going to give this up. I, and and I, I'm going to trust that it's going to be worth it. And so I'm going to take that step and follow him. And then when the Holy Spirit um, tells us, okay, now here's what following Jesus is like. It's following in community. It's not a solo effort. It's a team effort. And I know you might feel like, I don't know about, you know, being in a community and being in a ridge group. And uh, I'm not so sure about that. We say, you know what? I'm going to trust him anyways. I'm going to take that step. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to end up there. And, and we're going to do that. And then when he says, okay, partnering with God. It's like, hey, we're going to do whatever we can to see people as God sees people. And we're going to help the lost be found because God wants everyone to be found. And we say, okay, that's the step the Holy Spirit's inviting me to take. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to just walk with the Spirit. And I'm going to follow Him. And that's what it means when we feel guided by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. We realize, okay, God's inviting me to take this step and this next step. And I don't know what it's going to be, but God's going to do this work in me. And then he's going to do this work through me. I'm going to see some fruit. Maybe God's going to inv invite me to make a difference in a teenager's life. God's going to invite me to help invest in someone and help someone follow Jesus. Maybe God will invite me to actually have the privilege to baptize someone. And God's doing this work in me. And it's all happening because we're taking a step by step by step. And we are walking with the Holy Spirit. It's not on our own power. But when we do this, we're accessing God's power. And so as we wrap up this series, would you make that your commitment? Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to close that great disconnect. I, I want to see you move in me and through me. And I'm just going to do this by personally following you. It's not about the right rules, right religion, right belief. It's not about that. I just simply want to follow and access your power. So would you make that commitment uh, with me? And let's just start by praying together. And that is, God, um, we are so grateful that you've called us to something so much bigger and better than just following rules and religion and just trying to get it right. But God, we thank you that you are a personal God who's invited us to make an impact uh, uh, to those around us. 
God, you want to do something in us and through us. And so, God, that's not just done by, okay, you know, like, hey, we're just going to live disconnected from you and try to live life our own way. No, you've invited us something so much better than that. And that is you've invited us to follow. And when we follow you, God, we don't know where we're going, but we know where you're going. And we trust that you know where you're going. And because you gave us your son, Jesus, we know that we can trust in him. God, we can follow him. And God, we can make him our king. And we, we, even though it's going to cost us something, we know it's going to cost us, but God, we know it's worth it. And God, you've invited us then just to, to follow you, to take steps into community, to, to take steps to help others find you, and just to trust you to whatever that may be next. And so God, I pray that as we um, walk with the Spirit, God, I pray that you would guide us and that you would empower us. And God, as you do something in us, God, we just pray that you would just do something so much bigger than what we could ask or imagine. And God, that we would not be afraid to walk with the Spirit and to pray uh, for, for things incredible to happen, like marriages being restored, relationships with our kids being reconciled, healings to happen, miracles that we've been praying for, God, that they would happen. Uh, individuals in our lives that are just so disconnected from you and from us, God. God, that you would do whatever it takes to help them find you. God, we know that you have called us to experience big things. And God, we pray for those big things to happen. Not as a result of our own work and our own power because we can't get there on our own. But God, we can get there by walking with you, by accessing your power through the Holy Spirit. God, we're so grateful that you've given this to us. God, we're so grateful for the life that you've given us through Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.